day two update. What's up, everybody? Hulking Yoda here with day two update, and I have with me Linking Sponge. Are you there, Linking Sponge? Bro, where else would I be? This is a generation-defining episode. Oh, you know I'm here for that. And if you heard that, listeners, he is correct. This is one of our games that defined a generation episodes. This would actually be, we're at the halfway point, man. This is episode six out of 12. Uh, can you believe that? Uh, it's actually very hard to believe, and I will say this. Uh, it sounds incredibly easy to do, but when you think about the hundreds of games that come out in this generation, and not just to be able to just to pick your favorite games, you've got to pick a game that has some meats and potatoes to it, something that actually made an impact on this culture we call video games. And that's hard. It's hard to do. And it really is, man. Uh, you know, I, I got to be honest, listeners, I don't even know that I have my final selections uh, decided upon yet. It's it's that difficult. Just kind of really. Nor, nor do I. I got kind of like a, a list of games that I'm just like constantly, co- uh, you know, contemplating in my head. Like, you know, is this one truly, does it deserve to be in the ranks of the 12? And not only is there 12, man, unfortunately, well, fortunately, there's two of us. So I only get six. So it's just like, oh, <laughs> Well, to be honest, yeah, uh, fortunately, I'm glad it is only six because uh, it's hard enough coming up with those six, as we said, man. But uh, listeners, if this is your first time listening to one of these types of episodes, just to kind of give you an idea, we started in November of last year doing a, every month for the next year, the final year of this current generation of consoles. We are picking one game each month that for us individually defined this generation right up into the launch of the Xbox Series X and PS5. All right, man. So with all of that being said, uh, we are here to talk about a specific game that is in Linking Sponge's wheelhouse that really tickled his fancy uh, and, and earned a spot on that list. So do you have a title for me, sir? Well, man, uh, I'm a big fan of build-up, even though it probably doesn't need a build-up. But my first title, as some people may or may not know, was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Thank you for the applause. My second game was not was none other than Resident Evil 2 Remake, a masterpiece. And I like him to think that this third title is up there as a masterpiece as well, but for different reasons. And that game is Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice. into words. The moment when you look into the eyes of the one who is supposed to reassure you, make you feel safe. It only takes an instant. Fear swallows you before you have a chance to make sense of it. And darkness becomes a part of who you are. So just got to kind of give people a little backstory here. This game came out uh, in August of 2017 for the PS4 and PC. Later uh, in April of 2018 came out on the Xbox One, and then a year later it came out on the Nintendo Switch. It was made by none other than Ninja Theory. What I thought was very interesting about this game is it always was described as a independent AAA title. Ninja Theory has like 100 and something employees, but they only had dedicated a team of 20 to this game. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. So it's and you've played the game. I know you've played the game. I mean, there's oh, the the level of detail and like in the, the graphics and the storytelling. It's just so impressive that 20 people did this, man. It's it's incredible. Oh, definitely agreed. It's uh, that's pretty astonishing, man. That's a pretty amazing group of 20 people there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, so help light it tell it's it's story kind of like delves into the world of psychosis and it, it's a unique way in a very real way for them to tell uh, a story like this, especially in video games. And it has a stunning performance from um, Melina Jurgens, who was actually just a video editor for Ninja Theory. And she went on to win all these acting awards for her portrayal in this game, which is incre- incredible to me as well. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, no, I definitely didn't know the details behind the actress portraying uh, Cinewa. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome, man. I, I would say that's the definite promotion. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, are these these are all things that are in your mind make this the, just a defining, a generation defining title? I think that these are kind of like fun facts that kind of like lead into like, man, I, I can't believe all this was done by 20 people. I can't believe how real of a story this young lady told. And she was a video editor. Uh, but truthfully, man, it's one of the things that I always liken to this game as far as it's just it's storytelling ability. And most people are going to say, hey, storytelling, you know, hey, Resident Evil had a good story. You know, Uncharted had a good story. Assassin's Creed had a good story, and that's all very true, but the thing that I like so much about this game is its realness of the story. I mean, you're talking about people who actually deal with psychosis. This is a real demon among our world, and for them to actually take the time and to consult actual uh, mental health specialists, neuroscientists, people who suffered from this, and matter of fact... Not only did they consult these people, if you ever go back and watch the opening credits, they actually have the uh, one of the doctor's names on the opening credits before they even have the director's and the writer's name on it. Like that's how seriously they took it. And for them to actually go this route and actually try to tell this story uh, of something that happens in real everyday life, I think it's incredible. And I think that you kind of start to see its influences – uh, and this may sound crazy to you, but I think you kind of see that influence with a game like Blair Witch. Because Blair Witch, the game, wasn't what Blair Witch the movie was. It dealt with more of the mental health aspect. And then you think about what Don't Not is doing this summer with Tell Me Why. It's tackling a very real issue that we deal with in our society. And I think that this game opened that door to say, hey, man, not everything has to be mythical or magical like we could deal video games are at a point now where we could deal with real world issues and and, you know it's not just kids it doesn't have to be plumbers jumping around on magical mushrooms like we could talk about real stuff and i think this game opened that doorway yeah i would definitely agree man i mean it's definitely shown that you know gaming is a space to where you know society can look to for uh, inspiration or motivation to try to help potentially, you know, maybe somebody who plays Hellblade uh, says, you know what, I want to get into that field, into the mental health field, and I want to help those people, and I w- or I want to learn more about it, I want to go to school for that, whatever the case may be, or just in general, have a greater respect for the people that do have to endure uh, those kinds of traumas and, and go through those things, because uh, from my experience, man, you know, it was 
it was pretty intense and real uh, what you experienced with Senua throughout the game. Um, and so, yeah, man, I would definitely, uh, definitely agree uh, as far as its impact and influence in that sense. No, absolutely. And I think the the other part of this uh, that is so un, understated for me in this game, and I think you're starting to see this more and more with video games, is to me, Hellblade was more than just a game. To me, it was like a work of art. And the reason I say that, and I, I don't want to sound like um, was pretentious or anything, but just the way that they told this story, it wasn't just about the story, right? So, you know, like you said, your typical video games, you have a story. You know, you have a, you know... A protagonist, antagonist. There's a climax. You know, there's there's all these things that are typically played out into a script. But this game actually told a story through visuals and more importantly through what you're hearing, and that to me was the most impressive part about this game because, again, you're hearing these voices that are happening, and this game actually takes advantage of headphones and is actually recommended. It even comes up on the screen when you load the game up to use headphones, and which is incredible because of how many people in gaming now have headphones but more importantly that if you're actually listening to what's going on uh in the audio first off it can be a little unnerving but to think that people actually deal with this every day they can't turn off this game you know what i'm saying that's crazy to me and to be able to kind of tell that that emotional anxiety through the audio and the visuals i think is impressive but more importantly if you actually ever and i don't know if you caught this but if you're playing the game these voices are coming from the front, the side, the back, and they're constant voices. But what I thought was so cool is they're actually talking about things that are actually going on on the screen. Like, it'll be like, there's a door. Don't open the door. You should go through the door. Don't go through the door. And then when you, like, go to open the door, it's like, why would you open the door? I told you not to open the door. And it's just like, it really, like, plays up what's going on on the screen. And another thing that I really appreciated about their storytelling, if you ever watch her, she actually, like, has motions with the camera. And she talks like she's talking to you almost as if you're one of the voices, which adds as like this other element of realism to it. Uh, so I just think that the, what they're able to tell through the graphics and the, sto- and the audio just added this whole other element to it that I think is going to be a huge part of video gaming's coming the next generation, the PS5 and the Series, uh, the series X. I mean, even they've already stated that... the. You thought you were impressed with the, our storytelling and this. Wait until the next one. Uh, but I just think with that extra technology, there more companies are going to do that. And I think they should. I mean, this game came out two years ago, and it's still in the upper echelon of graphics, in my opinion. I've gone back and replayed this game recently, and it's up there with your Odysseys. It's up there with your Resident Evil 2 remakes, especially with that Xbox One X and PS4 Pro patch. Uh, it's just everything about this game. If you've never played this game, seriously, and this is an, another point I got to make real quick. This game came out brand new at $30. Like, that's insane. Because it knew its audience and it knew that, hey, man, this is a five or six hour game, 30 bucks. That's something that more people should take from. If they're not going to take the storytelling part, hey, not every game needs to be $140 and come with a little mini statue. Oh, yeah, definitely true. I mean, uh, all, all that you said, man, I mean, the attention, the detail, little nuances, you know, as you said about her looking and interacting with you. And uh, I, I personally also enjoyed the experience of the headphones and listening to the voices and uh, just in general, man, the approach to, to gameplay design and storytelling, uh, as you said, 
Uh, we can already see its influence in, in games this generation. And Project Mara, you know, the next game, looks like it's only going to continue that, uh, as well as the other titles that you mentioned, man. I mean, there is just so many things that have kind of spilled out from this title uh, and the respect that it's garnered. I mean, and the fact that, I, I, would you agree or disagree that because of Hellblade is what garnered Microsoft's interest in buying them and, and making them, hey, we want to make you a first-party company? No, I absolutely think so. I, I think it had a huge part to do with it. I think that Microsoft saw what they were able to do on a different level, not almost say a different level, just the way that they interpret games differently than other companies. And I, I think that that showed through in Hellblade and so far in Project Mirror and, you know, Hellblade too. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with this, but I also think it also shows the maturity of a, of the game developer and the industry as well, this generation through this game. And the fact that you look at what Ninja Theory did before this, the DMC reboot, uh, Enslaved, uh, you know, just different titles like that, Heavenly Sword, your typical kind of gamers games, if you will. And then for them to decide, you know what, we're going to do this and try to say something with it. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty powerful as well. No, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, let me ask you this though. I mean, uh, cause I ask you this in every episode. I don't know if you've realized this yet or not, but do you think that this game deserves to be up there on the, on our list? Correct. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely think it, it belongs there in the top 12 of this generation as far as the defining titles. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just curious. Uh, and for the viewers or the listeners, you may or may not know this, but we don't really talk to each other about, you know, the list. You know, he has his six games. I have my six games. And, you know, he may – have you ever gone back and listened to the first episode where you did The Witcher, I believe? You know, mm. not that I disagree with him, but I just – I you know, I challenged him on some of the things he was saying because, you know, I just kind of wanted to know where he was coming from because these aren't conversations that we have off the air we have them on the air and just kind of i mean he may come out here and you know you know say something silly like you know coffin you know drivers is his favorite game i was just, hey why <laughs> you know so uh it's, oh, it's always interesting to hear each other's opinions on it uh yeah i don't think we'll ever have to worry about coughing uh drivers being on my list though um all right, man. Well, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's a lot of amazing points. Um, it's an amazing game and experience. Are there any other points or, or reasonings that you have for telling our listeners why this is a generation-defining game? It's Hellblade. Go play it and tell me why it doesn't deserve to be on the list. There you go. Yeah, I mean, let, let Linking Sponge know. Uh, we have Instagram, at Day2Update. We have Twitter. We have Facebook everything that you could possibly imagine social media wise so just hit us up and let us know let us know what you think are your genre uh defining generation defining games uh we'd love to hear from you guys uh you have anything else lincoln sponge juices all right listeners thanks and as always your day two update will continue to download initiating system one What's that? Uh, did you know that they made the de- some of the developers on that team made a Hellblade kart racing game? Oh my god, no! Yeah, they they said it's never seen the light of day. There's only like a three second clip of it, but yeah, there's like a Hellblade 
like kart racing game. I thought it was funny because we were just talking about Resident Evil kart racing. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, that would be pretty funny to see.